<coughs> Good evening. It's uh, very special. People find time this busy time of year to come out to your shir, to clarify what needs to be done, what doesn't need to be done. Start with a story I heard from Michael Bitterman. He said that there was a couple got married, and she came, he came from a family where they really went all out with cleaning, and she was more used to doing what halacha requires. And he was very upset because he wanted her to scrub the grout with a toothbrush. And she said, I'm not scrubbing grout with a toothbrush. So he went running to his rabbi. My wife's not, she, she, she's not from, she doesn't want to scrub the grout with a toothbrush. So his rabbi said, you're right, this is a very, very highly gaminic, you should not be mavatal this minute. But it's so highly, don't leave it to your wife, you should do it yourself. <laughs> so uh, I'm not here to uh, promote any over the top minhagim. If your husband has very strength, you know, wants you to scrub the grout, you tell him that. He should do that minig. On the other hand, the truth is that, that the rush brings down that minig Yisrael is to be machmer more than is necessary strictly up here. So that means not that you should go looking for chumras, but if you have chumras, if you have whatever you do above and beyond what's strictly required, and your husband tells you, I heard in the shir, you're not to do that, it's not wasting your time, it's not spring cleaning, it is Pesach cleaning, and definitely... A part of why we, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us this mitzvah to spend so much time cleaning our homes and looking over our homes and thinking about what's in our homes is it's a time for introspection about the way our home is set up. It's a time to cleanse ourselves of the Yetzirah, which Chazal compared to Chomet. So it's definitely all the time that's spent cleaning and scrubbing is not in vain, and it's a mitzvah. It brings kapara, it brings tshuva, it brings, it brings a ruach of tahira to the home, and it's definitely not wasted time. But that being said... What we're here tonight is to discuss the Ikel Halacha and to introduce clarity. People are not sure what they need to do, what they don't need to do. They go overboard in some areas, then some areas they're already so burnt out and they then don't do what they need to do in the areas where they do need to spend a lot of time being careful. So we're going to try to do is go through very clearly what Halacha requires and whoever wants to be Moisif is Moisif and Leimon HaShemayim. So in order to properly understand the requirement for B'dikas Chametz, it's it's really kedai to understand the underlying reasons why we clean for chametz. And there's really three different reasons that we clean for chametz. When we clean for chametz, we have, obviously, there's the iser de reis of bayira, bayimotza, so'or, le'os, v'techem, there's an iser to have any chametz in your home, mida'iraisa and sechi of karis. However, the iser de'iraisa is only a kezayis or large. That's a pretty big piece of chametz. If all we were doing is looking for pieces of chametz the size of the kezayis, it would be a very, very easy job. That would take you maybe 20 minutes, and not a very hard job at all. Now, that being said, the isidereisa of chametz, of the kezayis of chametz, includes chametz that's not edible for a person. It's only edible for animals, as long as it's royal achilas kelev. So therefore, even chametz, which we would look at as no human being would consume, still is included in the Isidir Isa, which is one of the reasons that we make sure to sell and put away various household products, some of which, surprisingly enough, are more edible than you think. One example I saw Rabbi Ribia brings that actually rat poison is little cracker type of things that the rats eat, and although it's poisonous for rats, it's not really all that poisonous for human beings. Give you a stomach ache. So that's one of the reasons why we put away a lot of household products, because Midir Isa, we the Isser extends beyond what's edible for human beings. Why is already a complicated topic, but I'll call upon him. That's why we put away and make sure to sell things. But the Isidereisa, Bayerah, Bayimatza, we're not really, that's pretty simple to avoid. 
So, and in addition, the Gemara tells us that if you are mevatel yechametz, you say kol chamir v'chamir ikav rishusi v'habi levotav l'avehefker kafra the ari you mevatel yechametz, which you all do. You don't have technically midirai, so you don't have to clean it all. You can just leave your house with all the chametz there. It's not yours. So why do we do bedikas chametz? Why do we clean for chametz? So really, there's two different reasons why we clean for chametz, and the two different reasons require a different level of cleaning based on which area of the home we're actually discussing. When you are, the first reason we have to clean for chametz, the Chazal say, the Gemara says that we're worried. You may find some piece of chametz which is actually appetizing and edible, and you might, by, without thinking, pop it in your mouth. You'd be sitting in your couch and you'd see a pretzel. It's possible, in theory, that you would take the pretzel, put it in your mouth without thinking. And therefore, Chazal said, we have to get rid of anything that there's the potential that a person will see it and put it in their mouth. And the poiskim, this is pretty much a universal, gather universal line that they make, which chametz are we talking about? Anything a Cheerio size and higher. A Cheerio is technically something, if you saw a Cheerio and it was clean, you might put it into your mouth absentmindedly, definitely a child would. So what we're looking for in regards to Shem you may come to eat it, is a piece of chametz that's a Cheerio size or bigger. Now, there's another reason to make sure we have to clean for chametz, and that's because when it comes to chametz, we have a chumrah that we do not have the rest of the year. We know throughout the year, a little bit of milk sprays in your chicken soup, so you call the Rav, and the Rav says, how much milk? It's bottled the shishim, it's mutter. Chametz on Pesach is aser b'masher. That means even one little drop of chametz lands in a giant vat of, of soup, one little crumb, tiny crumb, it's going to aser the entire soup. So with that in mind, when we're dealing with an area of the home where there's a potential that the chametz will end up in my food, so now we have a whole new level of cleaning that's required because we have to ensure there are no little crumbs that will in any which way find their way into my food or even the absorbed taste of chametz, which gets absorbed. Hot chametz goes on a counter. There's flavor that gets absorbed. The pizza, put a slice of pizza down on your counter. There's flavor that goes into the countertop. And when you put down the hot Pesach kugel, it can pull out that flavor and ask your kugel. So what we're cleaning for is to ensure that we don't ingest even the slightest amount of actual chametz, the slightest crumb, or the bleas of chametz. That being said, when we're going to be doing the actual Pesach cleaning, we therefore have to differentiate vastly between the areas of the home where you're going to be eating and the areas of the home where you just your living space. So, for example, bedrooms. Even if you eat in your bedrooms during the year, and even if maybe a kid's going to bring up a bag of chips to the bedroom on Pesach and a cookie, but it's not a place where you're sitting down to eat where we have to be concerned that the little crumbs somehow are going to find the way into your food that you're eating. Therefore, when we're cleaning the bedrooms of a home, what we're doing is we're looking for pieces, primarily looking for pieces that are Cheerio size or bigger, which means that if you have carpet, vacuum the room well, and you check the drawers. Checking the drawers, you don't have to scrub the drawers with, with Fantastic or anything like that. You open the drawers, move around the clothes, make sure there's no food there. And you close the drawer, the drawer is not Pesach. There's no need to take everything out and scrub it. If you want to do that, it's a nice thing. It's a good time to spring clean, but it's definitely the Chiv. When we're in the living areas of the home, we're not looking for crumbs. We don't care about tiny crumbs. We're looking for something that's a Cheerio size or bigger. Now, 
halacha, we, the halacha is that you really only have to even check an area where you bring food. So an older couple, technically, that doesn't have grandchildren coming to visit, and they never eat upstairs in their bedrooms, would not even have to clean those areas. It's a mokim she'ein machnisim b'chamit. Baruch Hashem, we all have young children, so then there is no such thing, except for maybe an attic where you can't access, or a storage room in the basement, or a cruel space, a shed if it's locked. But any area where the kids have access to, we assume, could have chametz, and definitely will probably have chametz. So we're going to be checking, but we're checking again for something that's a cheerio size or bigger, which means that cleaning a bedroom is something that should take a very short amount of time. You're going through the room, you're going to vacuum it or sweep it if it's a hardwood. You're going to open each drawer and just shift around the clothing, make sure there's no large pieces of chametz anywhere. Look underneath if there's you know, a way to get under the beds or whatever, and once you're done, you're done. That, the bedroom is clean. One other thing you have to look out for in a bedroom, if there's clothing that you may have put chametz in the pockets, you should be checking that. But again, only if there's a reasonable chash, if there's clothing that you know went through the washing machine, there's no reason to assume there's anything left, then that doesn't have to be checked. So cleaning bedrooms should go relatively quickly. When you come to bathrooms, bathrooms, again, kids do bring chametz into bathrooms, at least in my house, I know about other houses, but... The bathrooms, again, it's very quick. You, you look, you look on the floor you're going to sweep and empty the garbage. And you, the only other thing in the bathrooms is you have to be careful for cosmetics and things like that, which may have chametz issues. But again, there's no scrubbing required in bathrooms. There's no, no, no Windex, no spray bottles, just looking for big pieces of chametz. So that's when you're cleaning your bedrooms, your bathrooms, and even your <clears throat> playroom and your living room. So... Obviously, a couch has to be cleaned properly to the extent wherever your hands could get. When you stick into the crevices, you have to check. If there is possibility of chametz there, you have to get it out. If you want to wipe down the couch, but you don't have to sit there scrubbing it well, no one's licking the couch in Pesach. And again, we're not really worried. You're not sitting and eating a meal on the couch. If you are sitting and eating a meal on the couch, you have to be more careful, obviously, because your food might land on the couch and pick up a little minute amount of chametz. But assuming you're not eating a meal on the couch... We're not really worried, except for big pieces of chametz. Your books and svarim. Books and svarim, so they're those who are machmer, they flip through every safer and open it, and it becomes an extremely time-consuming job, and it's not necessary to make What's possibly going to be in the safer? A tiny crumb. That tiny crumb, you're not going to eat it. If you open the safe and you find a little crumb somewhere in the binding, in a book, you find a little crumb of something, it's not going to become, no one's going to eat it. The only situation where you have to be careful of svarim is svarim and books that over the year can accumulate chametz should not come to the table when you're eating on Pesach. So definitely, you know, letting a kid bring his books to the table that he uses the whole year while he's eating snack bags should not come to the table. But other than that, you don't have to sit there opening every book and leafing through it to allow the chametz to go out. You can make sure there's nothing on the shelf itself. But we're not looking for, we're not really worried about tiny crumbs that may be stuck in the binding, stuck in the bookshelves. Toys. So toys is already a little bit of a different issue because there is, you know, especially, you know, you go through your toy closet, there's things that are, you know, blocks, depend, you know, every house is different. If they're sticky, if the, you know, blocks tend maybe not to be as sticky, so you can probably just, you know, look through the box, make sure there's no big crumbs there. You might want to wipe that down from little crumbs because kids put everything in their mouth. When you come to things like the menchies and the kitchen center and the toys there where kids eat on them all the time and they're usually going to have sticky chametz and little kids will put it in their mouth. So those either should be wiped down before Pesach to make sure there's no chametz residue or if it's too much work, just sell those toys for Pesach 
so you don't have to worry about it because kids will put them in their mouth in the Pesach, and we don't want our kids eating comets in Pesach. So, you know, some toys might be just simpler and easier to put away for a week. If you have toys that are out, even if they've been cleaned, you should not be having them come to the table on Pesach because there is a strong likelihood that even after you wipe them down, there could be some residue. And again, that even that slight, tiniest drop of chametz ends up in your food is a problem. So we want to avoid things where we're concerned that there's chametz during the year coming to the table when we're eating. So that's in terms of cleaning a living room, couch, the toy, the toy cabinet, <clears throat> your bookshelves, Obviously, strollers have to be cleaned well. Strollers are usually full of chametz. Now, tiny crumbs in the stroller, unless you're going to be putting food there over Pesach, is not a problem. You probably shouldn't put food in any of the pockets of the stroller. Car seats obviously have to be cleaned very well. The car, we all know about cleaning the car. And you know, one, one thing that's really outdoors also does need to be cleaned. Little crumbs outdoors are definitely not worried about. Animals will eat it, but you should look for any big chametz that's left outdoors. If there's, even if there's a Cheerio somewhere outside, it'll get disgusting. There's not really a chashem, you should look for larger chametz. And garbage cans, you have to make sure your garbage cans should be cleaned before Pesach. And this year, so it's about, you know, if they, they do make an extra garbage pickup before Pesach, you have to make sure that there's no chametz that belongs to you, sitting in a garbage can that belongs to you after the Zman, saves Zman beer. So if you realize they already came, the garbage pickup came at 9 in the morning and at 10, you finish eating breakfast and you have some bagels, don't put them in your garbage can down by the curb because your garbage can belongs to you. You have to find a different way of disposing them off of your property. So I think that pretty much covers areas, the living areas of the home. And please, this is uh, open forum. Anybody wants to ask any questions, it's not... Uh, not just supposed to be a lecture. So if there's any anything I missed, any specific areas around the home you want discussed before we move on to the kitchen, I'm happy to answer any questions. Yeah, no, no, yeah. How about tablecloths? Okay, so tablecloths, and the place will say, I'm going ask you to say that you can run a tablecloth through the washing machine. If it's clean, then you can use it on Pesach. I think many people have the minig to use new tablecloths, and the same would be true of towels, hand towels and all those. If it goes through the washing machine, the hot water and the soap, it's considered kosher Pesach, and many people have the meaning not to use it, but technically you could. Oh. And how about if it's, uh, let's say, on cold? It so on the cold cycle, it's probably better to, I mean, what, if it can't handle a hot cycle, then, then the cold cycle will probably do the soap would do the job also. So now let's move to the kitchen. Now, <clears throat> the kitchen, so... Once we get to the kitchen, so now we have the concern of chametz particles ending up in our food, and that's why we're so much more machmer when we get to the actual kitchen. So, first of all, let's start with tables and chairs. Tables and chairs need to be cleaned very well, so this is where, where the energy should be put in, is tables and chairs, if there's crevices and there's little crumbs there, people, the nature of people is that as you're eating, you touch the chair, you touch your table, you touch... So, we definitely need to clean it very well, make sure there's no crevices where there's crumbs. If there are, and you don't have to sit there with a toothpick scraping it out, if you take something that would make it inedible, you know, Windex is full of ammonia, actual ammonia, something that makes it inedible and make sure that it's sufficiently soaked with that, that you don't have any edible chametz there, that would be okay. Even if you see there's still something caked on, but you scrubbed already a few times with Windex and you know whatever's there is totally inedible, that would be okay, but we need to make it extremely clean. And then the tabletop itself, aside from cleaning, so the, 
And Shabura says we have to cover it. So the tables need to be covered for Pesach. And some have a minute, Shabura brings down to cover it twice with two covers. There's you know, one cover that sits there all year, the whole Pesach, and then something else by each meal. But definitely one thick cover is necessary for a table. And obviously this is true of the dining table and of the kitchen table. Counters, so I'm not counters, so I'll get the counters in a second. The cabinets and any other area where you're going to actually be storing food, whether it's a break front, cabinets, the fridge, so those areas need to be cleaned extremely well. And again, because it's an area where there's going to be food and there's always a chash, a crumb ends up. And even if you're storing only packages of food, but things stick to the outside of the container, and you know if there's a crumb and it goes in the outside of the container of salad dressing, and then you put it down on the counter, and then someone puts food in the counter, and it definitely could end up in your food. So it has to be cleaned extremely well and preferably should be covered. So any area where food is going to be placed over Pesach preferably should be covered. The fridge definitely needs to be covered because sometimes you put hot things in the fridge they're still hot and <coughs> the chametz flavor could get absorbed into the fridge, the actual shelves of the fridge, and then over the course of Pesach, if you put something hot, it will pull out that chametz flavoring. So definitely the fridge should be, the shelves of the fridge should be covered and the cabinets, it's definitely a very good idea and many places can recommend covering the cabinets. That way you ensure that there is no possibility of any chametz touching. The side walls of the fridge obviously don't need to be covered, just cleaned very well. And, you know, when you're taking apart the fridge, you know, it's a wonderful thing if you have a goiter who's going to be cleaning and doing the hard scrubbing, it's great, but make sure, don't rely on them, you have to check it yourself, because, you know, they're, they're cleaning it, they're not looking for chametz. And the difference between clean and chametz is very, you know, that, that means they'll scrub very, very hard to make it shine, but the little cre- the crevices that are full of crumbs Sometimes, you know, you pick up the glass shelf and underneath it, when the frame that holds is full of crumbs, they're not worried about and they don't think to check this. So check it yourself afterwards. But definitely, you know, the more help you get, the better. Now, so that's the cabinets, your table, your, your break front, if you're using break front, your refrigerator and freezer. Now, the countertops. So countertops... This is as follows. Some countertops can be cashered, and some countertops cannot be cashered. For mica countertops cannot be cashered. Quartz and other composite stone countertops, where there's something that's ground up and it's actually formed to shape of your you know, specific shape, not cut from one slab of stone. I haven't seen yet a place who holds you can cashier them. I, you know, if there's someone who holds, it's possible, but definitely you know, the vast majority of all Pisces, all the Pisces I've seen say you cannot cash them. Granite, there is a difference of opinion when it comes to granite countertops. The actual granite definitely can be cashed. In Eretz Yisrael, if anyone made Pesach in Eretz Yisrael, so in Eretz Yisrael, everyone has the Shayish and the Kasher. And that's because it's an unsealed, just natural piece of stone. Stone is one of the materials that we can cash for Pesach. However, the granite countertops in America are all sealed with a sealant which is plastic. Plastic, although we kasher plastic for year-round use, if you know if you have a boss of a hall of issue, we do not kasher plastic for Pesach, and it's a plastic type of material, and therefore there are places hold you cannot kasher granite countertops. On the other hand, there are those who say that it's such a thin coating you could kasher it. <clears throat> and then others say, I heard this from Rabbi Shabbos from Muncie, says that although he doesn't allow people to cash it when they've just been sealed the first year or two, but they, the sealant wears off, and they actually they'll tell you when you get it sealed that you're supposed to get it resealed every few years, 
So after a few years, I don't know, two or three years, there's no sealant left, and then he holds you could cash the granite countertops. So that's in terms of if you can cash it. Now, if you are going to cash it, cashing a countertop has its own machloikis about how to cash it. The Mishnah Brura is machmer, brings from the Maharil, that we have to cash it with something that's called an Evan Malubin, which means that we have to have not just pouring the boiling water on it, but the boiling water has to hit a, you have to take, and they sell a kit for this, take a hot stone that's heated up till it's sizzling hot, pour the water so it should first hit the stone and then the countertop, so it's extra hot when it hits the countertop. Mishabura says this for countertops, sinks, anywhere where a hot piece of chametz, like a piece of macaroni, would land during the year. So this is another issue if you're going to try to kasha the countertops, is you're going to decide if you're going to be machmal like this mishabura, there are those who are mekel, behind them in, in Baltimore, and definitely there are those who have the minig to be mekel and kasha countertops without this additional step. What you need to do is if you're going to kasha your countertop, and this is true for a sink as well, is we're going to be kashering with irim. Irim means we're going to be pouring boiling water from a pot that just finished, you know, like you use an electric kettle, as soon as it just clicked, or you have it on the stove, it was bubbling, you take it right off the stove after it was bubbling, and you have to pour it over the countertop, and that boiling water will pull out the chamasic flavor. Now, when you're pouring it over the countertop, we have to make sure that the countertop has to be 100% clean, and, and this is a very important for the countertops and the sinks, is if you're cashing a sink, we'll discuss sinks in a minute again, but it cannot have been used for anything hot for 24 hours. So you have to have, if you're going to be cashing it, it cannot, be, cannot have been used for 24 hours, completely clean and completely dry, and then we pour in a way that the stream of hot water has to hit every spot of the counter. Now, as you're pouring, obviously water will spread, and there's not, it's impossible, you're not going to pour one spot dry and pour again, but as soon as that kettle finishes, and then you go get a new kettle of water, that water will cool off very rapidly, and that water has to be dried before you can continue the process. You have to make some sort of pattern. If you're going to be doing that, so that's if you're going to be doing hearing. Again, countertops, many people find it simpler to just cover the countertops and not actually kasher the countertops. If you cover them, there's no need to kasher. All you have to do is clean them very well and cover them. When you're covering the countertops, you should cover part of the backsplash as well because the way things usually work is hot pots and pans will hit the backsplash, especially if there's like a small lip that comes up. If it's just one tiled big piece, you have to decide, you know, to what extent you're concerned of pots hitting that backsplash, but that's the reason to cover the backsplash. Definitely has to be cleaned very well, but if there's any res the, the, if it gets pots hit it during the year, and then the pot's going to hit it, or pain will hit it on Pesach, again, you could be pulling out chametz flavor. So that's the reason to cover the backsplash if you have, if that's applicable. Another thing to be very careful when you have your cabinets, and again, this very much varies based on the kitchen design, how high up the gap between the cabinets and your counter is, and how much you're putting hot pots down on your counters. You look underneath the cabinets, there very often is grimy residue there, and that residue could tend, first of all, if you put a hot pot there on Pesach and the steam, hot steam rises, it can pull out the flavor from that residue, and it can definitely just cause things to loosen and fall in. So that area should be cleaned. And in some cases, if it's very, very dirty, it probably should be covered as well. Or if you know that there's always hot pots in, there's going to be hot steam hitting that area, it probably should be covered. In a similar vein, the oven hood must be covered and cleaned. I mean, unless you have a very, very high up oven hood, 
some of the newest kitchens, it's really, really high. But most kitchens, and especially if you have a microwave mounted, it gets pretty close to the pots. And under there, definitely you have, during the year, steam, which is Yatsi Ledesboy, which has the ability to impart flavor of chametz. When you're cooking macaroni, you have chametz flavor going into the, whatever it is, the bottom of the microwave, the hood. And then on Pesach, when you're cooking, the steam will go up and it can pull out the chametzic flavor. So that should be covered with foil. <clears throat> should be cleaned, and if you, since you're covering it, you don't have to go crazy with cleaning it, but it should be cleaned, and then it should be covered. The, the oven hood or the underside of the microwave. Now, <clears throat> so that's cabinets, countertops, and the underneath the cabinets and the oven hood or under the microwave. As far as the microwave itself, microwaves cannot be cached for Pesach. They're difficult to cache in general, definitely should not be cached for Pesach. Dishwashers as well cannot be cached for Pesach. Now, we come to the sinks. So sinks, so if you have an, a, a ceramic sink, ceramic cannot be cached. Ceramic is klicheris, which cannot be cached. But a stainless steel sink can be cached. Now, when you cache a stainless steel sink, so first of all, you have again this question of the Mishnabura, are you going to be machmer to use dafka the Evan Malubin, that hot stone, to make the water extra hot? Or are you going to just use plain iroi? Some people have the meaning just to do iroi, and if that's what you do, that's okay. Others are more machmer. And many people find it to be a very... And if you're going to kasha the sink, assuming it's the type of sink that can be kasha, again, you have to make it thoroughly dry. It has to be 100% clean, which can be difficult to get it 100% clean, especially around the drain. There's usually a seam there. And it's preferable that the strainer at the bottom of the sink should just not use that on Pesach. Those are very dirty and hard to clean. And usually you can get one for a dollar to, to replace it for the duration of Pesach. And then you have to pour boiling water on every inch of the sink without missing a spot. For that reason, many people find it easier to use inserts. Some people do want to kasher. Definitely you are able to kasher the sink. Now, so you're going to pour boiling water on every inch. Again, being careful that once one kettle of water runs out and you're going to get another kettle to dry it in between. And then boiling water does have to be poured on the faucet as well. If you can change the aerator, that's, you know, if you're at the end of the faucet, there's a little strainer type of thing that causes the water to come out in a nice stream as opposed to if you take that off, you see the water comes out rushing just in a rough stream. So if you can change the aerator, it's also a $2 item at Home Depot or a houseware store. That is also preferable. Most places can say you should try. If not, you have to clean it extremely well. It has <clears throat> many little holes, and over the year, all sorts of grease and things can end up in it. Um, sprayer heads are difficult to clean, and definitely if they can be replaced and not used on Pesach would be better. If you can't replace it, and if it's the kind that just it's part of your faucet, so you have to clean it extremely well. If it's possible to replace, it's definitely better. The, and again, the faucet has to have boiling water poured on it. And once you do that, the sink is kosher. If you're using an insert, there still is a mile to kosher the sink because sometimes water backs up, but then the koshering of the sink is a chumrah and not really necessary mi'ikr hadin. So that's in terms of sinks. We get to stoves and ovens. So stoves and ovens... So let's first talk about the stove top, and then we'll talk about the oven. So if you have a, if you have a, let's first talk about an electric stove top. If you have an electric stove top, and it's the type where you put the actual burners where you put the pot down on. So if you let that heat up till it gets red hot and leave it that way for 15 minutes, it's now kosher for Pesach. 
the surface of the stove top underneath the burners should be cleaned and then covered because it's going to have all sorts of hot chametz fools there throughout the year and a pot could touch it so you should just cover that with heavy duty foil and then put back on the burners and the burners you cashered simply by turning on for 15 minutes. If you have grates on top of the burner or you have a gas stove and you have grates so the grates you can kasher either by and this if you have an electric stove probably this I mean some electric stoves are also self-clean. If you have a, you can either kasher them by turning the heat on to its highest, covering it with a piece of heavy-duty foil or a blech, it could even be a stick blech, and leaving it there for 15 minutes on the highest heat. Don't do all four burners at once. It's too much heat. It's dangerous. And that will create a, enough of the heat situation to kasher the grates that the pot is sitting on. If you have a self-clean oven and you're running a self-clean cycle, and you want to put the grates in the self-clean cycle, that definitely caches the grates. However, just two things to be careful. First of all, it can cause discoloration, so just be aware, especially if they still look shiny and new, you might not want to do that. And second of all, the newer ones have rubber feet that they sit so they don't scrape the stovetop, and if you put that in self-clean, you'll have a big mess, and you won't have your rubber feet anymore. <clears throat> but otherwise, if you have an older, just grates that don't look so shiny anymore and you want to just cache them very simply, you don't have to do any cleaning, just stick them in the oven when you run self-clean and that will cacher them. Self-clean gets up to eight, 900 degrees and caches everything. Now, as far as a glass stovetop, someone has a glass stovetop, induction stovetop, and all these different new types of cooking tops, those are extremely difficult to cacher for Pesach, probably cannot be cachered fully, and there's different methods. Star K, I think, has a mat that they now certify that they've researched that can be placed on top of the stove cooking top, some sort of metal mat or something that still allows the heat through, and that really should be addressed individually because each type is different and how to deal with it is different. So again, we're going to be cleaning the stove top, covering the stove top itself with heavy-duty foil, the grates had to be koshered, and now the stove top is kosher. The control panel, if you have a control panel, you just have to be careful with pots throughout the year, definitely bang into the control panel. So the area where there's going to be contact with pots should be covered. It's usually a thin strip, you know, because it's usually at a little bit of an angle with a piece of foil. Don't cover one big piece of foil and cover over the oven vent. That's dangerous and will damage your oven and is dangerous. So don't do that. But just where the pots are going to be banging in, which definitely happens, you want to put a little piece of foil there so that it's not touching something that gets touched by hot chametzik pots. Now, the oven itself, so if you have a self-clean oven, so it's very simple, turn on the self-clean cycle, and when you're done, the oven is kosher Pesach. The door, however, does not, and you'll notice if you use self-clean, the door does not get cleaned properly. So therefore, the door should be cleaned beforehand, and then afterwards, many places can say it's better to cover the door, and definitely if you want to be able to put, you know, hot pans and you take them out of the oven down on the door, you should definitely cover it with foil. If you're not covering it with foil, you shouldn't put any comments on the door because we assume the door didn't have the full effects of the self-clean cashew. But anything else that's in the oven, the, the racks in the oven, if you put your burners in the oven, all of that gets up to a hot enough degree and any you don't even have to clean it, everything burns off, it turns into ash. If you run your self-clean cycle and things are still grimy and dirty, that means your self-clean is probably not working properly properly because when the self-clean works properly, everything turns into ash. You just have a white residue and you can just wipe it right off and you don't have to, it's just ash, it's not comets. If you do not have a self-clean oven, 
So <coughs> there's machoik as whether or not a non-self-clean oven can be kashered. Ramosha held that a non-self-clean oven cannot be kashered at all, and you have to use something called an oven insert. I don't think anyone really uses them. I'm wondering if you can get them. Rabbi Aaron and Rabbi Yaakov held that you could kasher them, and definitely there's what to rely on to kasher the non-self-clean ovens. However, it's much more difficult because you have to clean, unlike when you kasher a self-clean oven, the heat is so much, it's called Lieben Gomer. You have such a high level of heat that it burns everything. There's no residue, there's no chamet, nothing left. The other method of kashering is we're going to turn it on to some setting 500 degrees or higher for 45 minutes, and that setting will kasher it, what's called Lieben Kal. It's not as high a degree of kashering, and you need to clean it first. So obviously cleaning an oven properly is not easy. You have to <coughs> use an oven cleaner, clean it very well every spot. Now, if there's a spot that you cleaned once and you sprayed more oven, easy off and you scrubbed it again, and it's still not coming off, that spot we don't have to worry about. Whatever is there is just some burnt on ash. But definitely everything has to be cleaned very well. And then you turn it on to its highest setting. Make sure it's at least 500 degrees. Sometimes you can use the broiler if it doesn't, the oven itself doesn't get that hot. And leave that for 45 minutes. And that would kasher it according to these paiskin. Now that works for the actual oven that you don't have to worry about you know, steam from what you're cooking, pulling flavor out of the walls of the oven. As far as the grates, the oven racks themselves are concerned, those, it's not that simple that this method would work for that. And if you <clears throat> have the ability to ask someone else who has a self-clean oven to put your racks in their self-clean oven together with theirs and run it through would be much better. If you don't, so maybe it can be covered or there might be other aces, but definitely preferable to have the actual racks cashered through self-cleaning. Now, so that's if you don't have a, if you have just a regular non-self-cleaning oven. Continuous clean ovens are particularly difficult to kasher. They run into the same issue. It's not self-clean, even though it may seem to an extent like self-clean. It's not, and there's a specific method how to kasher those. If someone has one of those, we can discuss it. Um, so that's in terms of so so far we covered in the kitchen. We have the countertops. We have the sinks. Oven, stovetop, refrigerator, cabinets. Obviously, a high chair should be clean, cleaned extremely well, and the tray should be covered. You're going to be putting hot food on there, and throughout the year, there's hot macaroni on the tray, and then there's going to be the Pesach food. So you definitely should cover the Pesach, the tray of the of the high chair, so your child's not eating chametz. Um, I think that did I miss anything in the kitchen or dining room? Anything? Backsplash. Backsplash. So backsplash, I, I thought I mentioned, but yes, yeah, so you should, the area of the backsplash where pots will be hitting, so if you have like the backsplash that comes up, you know, six inches or so, I know from Ikea kitchens have them, so that you could just cover that piece. If you just have one big, you know, tiled backsplash, you have to figure out where pots will go, and it would probably be worth, if pots are going to be hitting it, it's worth, you should cover it for pace. Boiling water won't work for that. You could do technically, but I mean, you have to know what material it is, if it's ceramic, what type of material the tiles are, and then see if it could be kashered and then pouring boiling water is difficult, so that would be a little bit more complicated. If you're very careful that nothing, you know, if that nothing, no hot pots are going to go that far back and touch it, then I guess you would not need to worry about covering or kashering. Just clean it very well would be enough. Yeah, garbage cans in the kitchen should be cleaned extremely well. You touch them while you're cooking all the time, and they have a lot of hummus residue, which could end up in the food. Phones, if you have a phone, especially a cordless phone in the kitchen, will very often be full of chametz. That should be cleaned extremely well. And 
mops and brooms, so the mini Yisrael is definitely brooms and definitely full of chametz and very hard to clean, is to replace the brooms. You can you know, have a special Pesach one, the chametz one, you can sell with your things you sell, or you can buy a new broom once a year, look over Pesach, and mops as well. <clears throat> I think that pretty much covers most of the homes. Any, any questions? So if it's only cold water, yeah. if it's only cold water, so then you clean it very well, it's probably worth it while you're cashing your sink to pour boiling water over the outside, just in case over the years something, you know, could be while you're pouring things that land there, I'd say to pour boiling water over the spout, and after that you should be fine. Any other questions? Okay. Maybe she'll have a wonderful Pesach, and as uh, Hashem, don't overdo it. And if you're too tired, make your husband do the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.